0: Hello there, welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text-to-Pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin D's. Enjoy.
1: Well, we didn't gather yesterday, um, but people gathered. It was I was encouraged by a lot of the pictures that we saw on Instagram of people like meeting in houses mm-hmm. and uh, gathering with their families kind of all over the city. It's Kind of an interesting day, and it was, I mean, not just for Christ's covenant, but for really all churches of this kind of, all right, well, we got to worship in a different way today, but it was... Um, it was a special. It was a special day of worship, and uh, I think a very for us at least. Um, it was a great passage to think about the kind of impending judgment passage yeah. that this coronavirus scare uh, has us thinking about a little bit more intently. Um. Yeah, so, so I'm joined today. Yeah. yeah. So I'm joined today by Blake Rogers, Good and by Matthew Papa. Hello. And, um, yeah, so we looked at Jonah 3 yesterday. Um, Blake, um, what were your thoughts? What were some impressions you had?
0: Yeah, one of the impressions was um, just the fact that God goes after these people. Like, he had every right to judge them. Uh, He had every right to let them continue on, to give them over to the desires of their heart. And yet, uh, he sends his prophet to them to proclaim redemption to proclaim who God is. And, uh, I think it's a, an awesome thing. And I think that's something that, that we as believers should never lose sight of is that God has revealed himself. He has spoken to us. He's, re- he's, he's given us hearts that are sensitive to understand who he is. And that is a great grace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why does God go after the Ninevites? Um, and uh, we actually, that kind of relates, we can go ahead and jump into this, that kind of relates to one of the text a uh, pastor questions, which I would encourage you guys, if you ever have a question um, about anything that we do at Christ's Covenant, you can always text it in uh, to our text a pastor line and uh, just really encourage you to do that. But we had some really good questions yesterday. So here's here's one. Uh I talked about how the Ninevites uh, were were people outside of the people of Israel that God extended his grace to. Um, This person asked, you know, is there a resource that talks about other people like that? And and then it also talks about like the idea of God's elect. Um, How should we think about this in terms of God's elect? Well, in terms of the resource that I would encourage you to, if you're looking at who was grafted in, who were people that were outside the people of Israel that God extended a special amount of grace to, uh, I would just say, just read the old Testament, right? That there's, that's where this can be your most reliable source. That's going to talk to you about people that were not descendants of Abraham that were grafted in, that became a part of the family. Um, and uh, and we see that as I mentioned yesterday in my sermon, we see that many times uh, I mentioned yesterday Rahab and Ruth. Um, I mentioned Naaman. Um, And there's a lot of cases in the Old Testament that that there were special graces of God extended outside. Um, I mean, even the
0: nation of Israel itself. Like, it wasn't because of its might. It wasn't because of its beauty. It was because God is revealing himself as a God who is gracious to those who don't deserve
1: it. Well, and that's why this, I think, goes along with your initial comment. Like, I do think we... So this is... This is election, right? God is going after the people of uh, Nineveh. Um, it's not like they were like a really righteous people seeking after God and they sent a messenger down to Israel to say, tell us about your God. It was God going after them and saying, I, I want to save you. And, and and as I said yesterday in the sermon, he gave them kind of this redemptive message. And And as I said yesterday in the sermon, I think all of this... Is a signpost. It's a foreshadowing. It's it's a signal to us that actually one day salvation would come. A, a time of salvation would come where people really from every tribe, tongue, and nation would be grafted into God's elect. God's people would be more than just the descendants of Abraham. So,
2: yeah, I, I like the point because it it brings up a uh, kind of that foundational like child childish or. or you know, a question a child asks, like, or objection a child makes, like, it's not fair. You know, you, you think when the when the prophet comes and says, uh, you know, in 40 days, God's going to judge this city. The objection that might be made is it's not, that's not fair. But but that's the irony and the twist of it is that, you know, you, you kind of say, all right, well, what is fair? Right. You know, yeah. what? It, and and that Ravi Zacharias quote, I always like, it says, uh, uh, you know, when, when something bad happens or when we suffer, um, you know, why, we always say, why did this happen to me? But we never say, why did this happen to me when something good happens? You right, know, yeah. why, don't, why don't we say the same thing? Uh, why did this happen to me? And, uh, but yeah, it is, it is ironic, but, uh, but it is God's grace that he's saying what he's
1: saying. Yeah, Spurgeon has this great quote that says, it's not the fact that many are condemned that should make us wonder at God but that any are saved. you know. Uh, obviously, in our sin, we, there, there's enough out there to condemn all of us, um, but the fact that God has, in special ways, extended grace to us, just like He did to the Ninevites, is the great wonder of God. Yeah, and that's why the doctrine of total depravity is so
0: important to know. Yeah. Like, you'll never know your need of God. You'll never really know His grace unless you realize that you... Are depraved. That you're through and through sinful, and because of that, you cannot be in God's presence. And yet, He is so kind to go after us.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. If you hear some background noise in the back of the uh, think through it talkback or the think through it, the uh, sermon talkback, it's because there's a jackhammer outside of I'm our. F- door, I'm I fixing think. the road between between phrases here. Well, here's the deal, guys. You know what? You know what's happening. The real, real world, yeah. the real world. If y'all thought the sermon talkback was filmed on some faraway island where real things didn't happen, you were mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, it happens just in a real building. We're right here on Peachtree. Yeah. There's, a lot, there's a lot of cars.
2: Can we call this show I mean, The
1: Real World? The Real World, that's what I it is. I think it's already been claimed. But, uh, that's what it is. All right, three guys, one <laughs> podcasting table. All right, anyway, let's keep going. Matt, what were some impressions you had from the sermon?
2: Um, oh, I thought it was a great point to make the, the, the general kind of uh, prophetic uh, tone you took with the idea that we're all obsessed with self-preservation, and, and in mm-hmm. times like this, you know the, you know, you know, and and and, and, and of course, all of that is uh, nuance. With you know, you're encouraging people to be wise, and you're you're encouraging people to take comfort in, in God and and in community and one another. But I do think that the prophetic edge is is timely to say that, you know, we self preservation is something that we all struggle with and we all default to. And especially in times like this, we kind of look inward. Um and, and that, that can be that can be ugly. But um I was actually I actually took a picture of this this quote. Uh let's see, where is it? Um I saw Tim Keller tweeted this quote. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, he's quoting Dionysus. Did you see this? No, I haven't seen it. 260 yeah. AD. He says, Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, cheerfully accepting their pains. Dionysus, 26, 260 AD. Yeah. But, uh, of course, that that's in the context and the nuance of We need to be cautious and wise and all that kind of stuff. but Yeah, we shouldn't go out trying
1: to get sick. But there's actually, here's what it is. There's a greater ethic than self-preservation in the world, and it's love of others. And so part of the reason that we shouldn't gather and maybe gather in a large group actually is love of others. Like, we don't want to be a part of spreading the disease. But there is, you know, if your concern right now is just, I got to stay healthy, I don't want to be well, my stock portfolio is tanking. I mean, of course, we're all we all want to be who nobody wants to be sick, nobody wants to be poor. But if we're really in Christ, we realize look, we have a great security. And he's actually set us on mission to love others. And actually, this can be a time when the gospel can really advance. To to the Dionysius quote, um, that was a time after the Cyprian plague where the gospel really was exploding in the Roman Empire because the Christians were so faithful to care for those sick around them. Uh, you also had a point about Patrick that uh, I thought was kind of interesting in the same light.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Because you were saying I look uh, like Saint Patrick, but then no, we were I, cor- I was corrected. I
1: didn't say that you did. I, Blake said I Blake said actually that you may. looks like Saint Patrick. Yeah, and I, I look like the people Blake yeah, was Patrick ministering to. Right, which okay. is still going on. That's. that's <laughs> That's still happening, Blake is still ministering to your kind,
2: yeah well it was it was in the same vein of thought, right that St Patrick went back to the people who had uh had had persecuted him to 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 teach the gospel
1: to them yeah that was, had to impress them yeah and it was a trying time for the for the Irish I mean for the celts i mean and as I mentioned that story yesterday, and i um, I've read that several occasions that they had this kind of sacrificial system that they all hated, but they just that's an interesting thing they 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 knew they they understood depravity, they understood sin enough to to understand that it must come at a cost, but their response to that obviously was this you know very cruel and evil thing to sacrifice a child, um, but that actually is one of the things that opened their heart to the gospel and to receiving. Uh, the sacrifice that God has um, put forward in our behalf, so, in Christ. So, um, And then you also had a, uh, the Aquinas thing that we looked, we looked at. We looked at a lot of church history yesterday, I guess. Yeah, you, you should unpack that argument again. Well, it's, it's basically just an argument about the existence of God. Um, it's the ontological argument that um, the, an atheist would say that a, the material world created God Obviously, a Christian or a theist would say that God created the material world. And Aquinas would say, since God is greater than a material thing, you're right to guess that the greater thing created the lesser thing. Therefore, there is a God. I mean, it's basically the ideal, the fact that we can imagine this ideal God basically proves that there is a God, like the, the fact that, they, that there, there is this um, being out there that is the fountain of all these things, you know, proves that such a being must, must be in place. And again, there was a long time in my life what I was saying yesterday, where I thought that was Aquinas' worst argument, but the more I think about it, actually, I think it's one of his, his better arguments, um, what must be true? Um, and you can either get back—fundamentally, you can either get down to two things, a material world, strictly a material world, or a divine world. That, and, and so, which one of those makes the most sense? And I think the divine world makes more sense. I mean, when you really unpack it all the way back.
0: It was it C.S. Lewis that said that, you know, his journey towards Christianity was, you know, that um, theism made the most sense of the world— and Christianity makes the most sense of theism. Yeah, and so um, kind of a similar. I, I line certainly of think
1: thinking. so. I mean, I think when you measure up what the intuitions of our actual heart are, Christianity answers a lot of those questions in a very, very satisfying way. So, all right, well. Really, my point in saying that was that we have a God who has spoken, and He has spoken to us, and He's revealed Himself to us, and He's entrusted His Word to us to tell it to others. And so we do have a great responsibility for mission. And so I think, let me just kind of, we'll do a quick little round robin, and then we'll, we'll, we'll conclude. But Matt, one just kind of word of advice to the folks. Hey, in this time, you've been entrusted with the Word of God. Here's a practical way that you can respond. How would you encourage the folks um,
2: well i mean I, I think as as we've already talked about it's it's a great time to um, it's a great time to love and serve the people around you you know people who uh who may be suffering in this season people who um, may be confused people who may be terrified you know and it's kind of you know, being being wise and 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 cautious, of course, with our actions, but but also holding out uh, hope for those people that uh, that this you know this life isn't all there is, and and uh, and uh, you know that 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 the coronavirus, you know, and, again, it's actually what C.S. Lewis talked about the one of the, one of his arguments for Christianity. Was that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a, a deaf world, mm. and and so yeah, it's 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 that moment where, people are listening and and uh, you can both be kind but also, be um, you know fluent and 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 outspoken and people people might actually be more likely to listen.
1: It's a great spot to give an answer for the hope that we have. You know, to to use like a Charles Taylor line, it's a thin spot right now. Like it's a Everybody's worldview, everybody's kind of comfort is a little bit shaken. And so we found ourselves in this thin spot. How about you, Blake? One practical thing. Yeah. I mean, I think similar to Nineveh, and I mentioned this yesterday at the end of the sermon, you
0: know, they apparently, in God's wisdom and in the narrative that we have in the Bible, they needed to know that destruction was near and that everything that they had built their life on was susceptible of being flipped upside down. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, in that moment, realizing that everything that they had built their life upon wasn't enough, they repented and turned to God. And so I think, like, this is where we are. Um, People are concerned, um, and rightfully so. It's a pandemic. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, There's a lot of confusion about, you know, the extent of all of the implications. But even still, people are face-to-face with, wait a minute. Everything that my life was about, the rhythm that my life experienced, the thing, the social structures that we participated in, the ability to go to work, all of those things are being upended in, in a way that should cause all of us to say, what is my life? Mm-hmm. What, what am I building? My what life? am I building my life upon? And um, the great news of Christianity is that in the midst of all of this, that there's great significance and that there's a creator who deserves glory and worship and he's intended all of our lives for, for just that. And
1: so. And, and I'll use my practical thing to say and answer another one of our questions. You know, if God through Sunday sermon or even just kind of through this missions emphasis time has been stirring your heart to the greater mission of God and, and you feel like, man, you know, maybe I can, there's more practical ways to, spend my life. Maybe God's even calling you overseas. I just want to say, hey, look, come find me. Come find one of us. There's a lot of practical responses to that. We have ordination pathways. We have a pastor school. um, We have a lot of just great resources. And and, and I just want to say this as we close, too. One of the responses to this whole thing that we really desire is that you guys would go on short-term missions trips. This is going to pass, and this is, you know, going to be over with, and there's still a lot of work to be done and we'll be able to travel again. And um, so even now, I hope that you'd be praying about, thinking about, okay, how can I go and engage with what God is doing around the world Um, and that we'd be faithful stewards of the message that God has entrusted to us. Well, guys, it's been good. It's been good. Um, I'm uh, Jason Dees for Matt Papa and Blake Rogers. Thanks for listening.